Welcome to your team with Sue and Steph. I'm Sue. And I'm Steph. We are the co-founders and owners of Your Teen Media, the resource for raising tweens and teens. And today we're talking to Dr. Patrick Porter of BrainTap, all about how we can be getting our necessary eight hours of sleep per night, please. And we're even going to be giving away a big prize at the end of this episode. So make sure to stay with us through the end. But before we get to that, let's talk about, hey, how about sleep, Steph? What do you think? Yeah, it's great. It's so elusive. It's such a great topic. You can't talk about it too often. So, you know, when it comes to sleep, I want to focus only on my own. But we do really focus on raising teenagers. So I was thinking it's important to talk about my sleep. Maybe more than yours. I don't know. (laughs) I think it's important to talk about my sleep because I'm a better mother when I get sleep. But, you know, it's just it's not happening well without any without AIDS, which apparently you'll find out from Dr. Porter aren't so good for us. But when I think about my kids, what I think about with sleep is that they fall into two categories for me. So when you decide to stay up all night or go to bed really late and the next day you are inevitably horrible, I really don't like that. But if you can't fall asleep because you're anxious and things are on your mind, I have so much compassion for that part of it, even though you're still going to be a jerk to me the next day. (laughs) Right. That one feels like (laughs) less like your choice and more like what we're all dealing with right now. But that kid who stays up till four in the morning and tells me how much fun he had all night and then every, (laughs) and I say boy because it's typically this one child of mine, that experience to me, I I am spending all day keeping the rage, like trying to push it down from from erupting because I'm so mad. Get enough sleep so you can be a nice person. That one feels so solvable and so intentional, right? That you can be like, okay, I can solve this. Like, go to bed. Yeah, but he doesn't sleep. think it's a problem, so it's not getting <laughs> right. solved, right? Well, right. Like, so that yeah. would be the first step, right? The first exactly. Step. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's funny. I was thinking back when we were talking about you know this topic when the kids were little. I just I hated sleepovers. I was always the one saying no to sleepovers, whether the other kid here, my kid going out. Like I just thought there was so little good that could come of it because they were so crabby. I mean, and especially when they were younger and they're, you know, well, certainly maybe they're just bigger and crabbier now, but they're just like falling apart at the seams. I used to, I I used to laugh because I'm like, oh my God, they're like melting before my eyes. You know what I mean? They're just such weepy messes. And I'm not tired. Yeah, but also like the balance in that story, which maybe translates to the same balance our kids are dealing with without us intervening. But the balance in that story is that the allure of the joy of having a sleepover is, and and even the living it, like it's so much fun. You're probably going to have more junk food than you had. You're going to have this hopefully delightful bonding experience with some friends. I think even for parents, we want that to happen, but we're so keenly aware of like the next day, what that looks like. And so probably as our kids get older, they're dealing with that same scale of like trying to balance the the sheer joy of being up alone in a house at night or with friends when the world has shut down. There's something so magical about that. Well, wait, even as a grown-up, I, I struggle with this because there's something magical about the house being quiet. I don't even like... There is something I've read recently. There is a a name of this where you feel like this is your time. And so it's called like delayed sleep. I have to look back, but 
because I like that. I like it's the time I get to read and I, or I'll catch up on a show. And and even though I know I'm closing the window on my potential sleep, not like it matters. It's like a series of naps now. It's like an hour and a half that I'm up. It's another two hours. Who cares at this point? But I feel like it's a little like deliciousness at night that I get to keep for myself. Yeah. And then your kids leave home. Well, not during COVID, but then they leave home. Yeah. And that allure is no longer necessary because you get a lot, a lot of time to yourself, which is, you know, has its pros and cons. When my kids were babies and it would start to get slightly darker, you could feel that the day was about to end. I really would cry just at the thought of like not, I was such a good sleeper. And then it <laughs> got so stolen from me. And it's like, I really, really felt the pain of it. So now, I mean, it's kind of a funny arc that we take when it comes to sleep. Like, uh-huh. you know, that the joy of being able to sleep like a teenager and then the pain of having to let that go when you have a baby. And then, not, you know, then you can sleep as much as you want and you can't. Your body right. won't let you. Right, exactly. You can, <laughs> but you can't. Well, I also, I remember, yeah, when they were babies and getting the evening back when the kids would do like that seven to seven thing finally, right? Yeah. You're like, oh my God, honey, I think we have an evening. Like it was so exciting. It was so exciting. But then you have other kids and there's, yeah, I mean, the whole thing. I remember, Sue, because your kids are, you know, enough older than mine where maybe, I can't even remember this, but you're like, oh yeah, like they're, we just will say like, we're going to bed because there's kids up past us now. And then all of a sudden it was happening to me. I'm like, oh yeah, now I get it. She's totally right. Where you're just like, okay, sayonara guys, we're going to bed. That is definitely a weird moment where life continues with your kids after you go to bed. It's the strangest um, thing ever. And then it becomes totally fine. Then it's <laughs> yeah. like, you you guys be you out there and we're going to go into bed. And it's, Yeah, it's, it's so good. weird. I remember like, and then like you said, then it just becomes fine. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the thing I, w- I want to say is, and, I, and Dr. Porter's going to hit on this a lot, it's not when I'm making a choice that I worry about sleep. Like if, you know, we decide to have like a wild night out, which, you know, doesn't happen and didn't happen pre-COVID, so probably wasn't going to happen during COVID or post. But for people who do that, or, you know, you start a movie really late, let's say, and you, you know, you're, you're, you're doing the math and the math doesn't work out to a good night's sleep. There's something fun about being, you know, just spontaneous and doing that. That doesn't bother me. It's this space that we're in right now where I cannot control. I can lie in bed for eight hours and not sleep any of it. That's like the devastating part of sleep right now. And so Dr. Porter does give a lot of really good tips on what we can do around that. And one person is going to win these unbelievable headphones and a full year subscription to BrainTap. So you should check it out on his website. Up next is our conversation with Dr. Patrick Porter. We can't wait for you to join us. I was thinking recently how I've taught three kids how to drive and you've taught five kids how to drive. It's crazy. It is totally crazy. But like many things with parenting, that first kid, that, that is its own experience. It's so scary to sit next to that kid in the passenger seat and know that you're the one who's supposed to teach them to be a safe driver when I didn't have a clue what that looked like. And not to mention that we know that car crashes are the leading cause of preventable death for teens. And preventable for parents is what's key. 
National Safety Council's Drive at Home is all about keeping your kids safe. In fact, their new driver deal is a parent-teen driver agreement that hits on all of those pieces of driving. When can the car be used? Who's paying for gas? And what about the idea of driving other friends around and distractions that really worry us as parents? There's just so much to discuss and learn together. I love the weekly pointers that National Safety Council has in their weekly lessons because I know that's gonna remind me about things I haven't thought about. It shows up in my inbox. I look at the tip. I sit and talk to my kid about it. It's a prompt that I really need at those moments. So if you have a kid right now who's about to go through the process of driver's ed and learning to drive, you definitely want to visit driveathome.org, driveathome.org to sign up for their free weekly lessons and to get started with the process of a parenting driver agreement. Life can be so stressful. Who isn't looking for peace of mind right now? I need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's Headspace. Headspace is a daily dose of mindfulness with guided meditations in an easy to use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. For example, if you're having a rough day and are feeling overwhelmed, Headspace has a three minute SOS meditation for you. And in my case, when I need help falling asleep, which is uh, every night, Headspace has wind-down sessions made especially for that situation. And for our parents listening, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. I've done those, and they're fantastic. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. I know for me, as a beginner, and maybe even a little skeptical, Headspace has been amazing, especially during this high anxiety time. I can tell almost immediately that I feel calmer, and I notice that I stay calmer even after the practice is over. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, has 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. We all deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is here to help you with meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash your teen. That's headspace.com slash your teen for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. Dr. Patrick Porter is an award-winning author, entrepreneur, speaker, and a highly sought-after expert within the personal improvement industry. He is the creator of BrainTap Technology, which uses creative visualization and relaxation to help people overcome stress and insomnia, lose weight, stop smoking, manage pain, accelerate learning, and much more. Thank you so much for being here with us. I have this feeling like sleep has never been such a big problem as it is today. And I even mean before COVID, but for sure worse during COVID. Is that true? Yeah. Well, two thirds of America, even before COVID, were having trouble sleeping. They weren't getting the minimum amount of sleep that that is necessary. And it's not always about what's in bed. But what happens as we grow older, unfortunately, our brain, if it's not trained, will dysregulate, which means that it's not able to flow between the brainwave states 
as it as it did as a child. As a child, you you might remember you fall asleep on the floor and on the couch or whatever, and it's no big deal. In fact, they they're like limp do- dolls when you go to take them into bed. And as we get older, we keep more of our beta brain, which is our reactionary consciousness, going, and that's based on stress built up over time. So the the brain needs to be re if you want to call it reconditioned is probably the best word, retrain to flow in and out of these brainwave states. But when you talk about aging, does it start already in adolescence? Because we see our kids having so much trouble. Well, now they are because they're, they're being, a lot of people think video games are enjoyable, which they are. But if you've ever seen a child's brain, if you do a brain scan before and a brain scan after even 20 minutes on a computer game, you probably would never let your kids play a computer game again. It dysregulates the brain because you're constantly being fed dopamine responders. And that's what builds addiction. That's a beta brain response. So they're getting it like every time you get a text message for an adult and you're waiting for that message, there's a, oh, this is great. You're getting the dopamine hit. But kids do that. Let's say you're getting to the next level, whatever the next challenge is. You, and everything is about the next challenge, the next thing. What am I going to eat? What am I going to do? Those things. And now, they say that the average child spends more than eight hours a day in front of screens. That's pretty bad. And that's because school now, I'm talking about because school, we're, we're doing it all remotely in front of computers, in front of uh, tablets. That's all, it's, it's great because it's convenient and they can still keep learning. But the problem is the brain has to process every pixel. So you talk about dopamine and these hits that we're getting as adults from texting and kids are getting from these games. What if you have natural dopamine because you're a a runner or you're mountain climbing is it hurting you in the same way oh no we need dopamine i mean it's a it's a neurotransmitter that helps to transact information at the conscious level it's just when we don't have the other states typically let's let's go through our ancient culture what would happen is we'd wake up from the light of the sun we wouldn't have an alarm clock triggering our nervous system we would wake up we would mosey together we would talk a little bit and say hey you know what so why don't you go hunting today and uh, steph why don't you go gather <laughs> and then we'll meet back here tonight in front of the campfire we'll talk about what happened we might have a stress response four or five times during that week when we run across a saber-toothed tiger or a bear or something like that. But usually every day is not that eventful. Now we can get those stress responses four or five times before breakfast, you know, and then depending upon how our brain, 70% of our nervous systems in our brain. So when you think about how our brain responds, and one way you know is if you get upset in the morning and you're still talking about it in the evening, you've got a dysregulated nervous system. Because we need to be like, the best way I can put it is uh, in a sports scenario, if an athlete, let's say a Tom Brady, throws three interceptions in the first half, but he comes back and wins the Super Bowl, it's because he has a very short memory. His nervous system forgot those negative experiences, and he focused on what needed to be done, and he accomplished the goal. Where a lot of people will stay focused on the negative, and that means they're getting that dopamine hit for the negative experience over and over again. Let's talk about recommendations. Are there some, let's call them ubiquitous recommendations that you could say to any any of us that are having trouble sleeping, regardless of age, circumstance, et cetera? What would those be? Well, the number one thing is sleep hygiene. Right before sleep, you should be going around your home, turning off all the lights. This is a trigger to our what they call chromoforms. Every cell has light receptors that actually absorbs that light and makes it energy. So some of us process energy better than others. That means if the lights are on, we're processing energy. We can't go to sleep. 
darken your bedroom. Some people, they need to even put black tape over the blue lights that are on all their electronics in the bedroom. If you have your phone in the bedroom because of some need to have it close to you, at least put it on uh, no notifications. We've actually found out that a notification from your phone, even if it's in the other room, your brain hears it. So at night, start turning off all the noise, put on some relaxing music, something that's going to calm the beast. If you can turn the lights down at least an hour before bed. Now, this is for people that are having sleep problems. If you're not having any problems, don't worry about it. You can watch TV right up to your sleep as long as you're sleeping well. But about 25% of the people, if they do that, they will not be able to sleep for at least two hours because their brain is still processing all of that data. So depending on how fast your brain works. The other is, believe it or not, you can sleep better at night if you have a morning ritual. So a morning ritual is something like exercising first thing in the morning. This kickstarts your brain. The best thing you can do for your brain, I wish it was using our device or something like that, but the, really, the reality is the best thing you can do for your brain in the morning is drink at least 16 ounces of water, get some Celtic sea salt, put it in that water or, or put it, drink it somehow, get it into the system because you dehydrated and you ran out of minerals at night while you were sleeping and get outside in ground, do some kind of for, physical exercise. We've done studying just by doing morning meditations, you improve your balance, no physical exercise, just by meditating. We've got to teach the brain to disengage at night and re-engage in the morning. And when it's, when I'm talking about dysregulation, it means that think about like movie, like a movie, a really good movie has certain music in the background to get you motivated, certain music to get you to feel relaxed, certain music to get you excited. Well, that's because it moves our brain through residency. The music moves our consciousness into those physiological states that cause a biological action, which causes us to feel something. <laughs> you know, so we can do that for ourselves. You know, we can write our own movie. We can be the star of our own show. But a lot of people don't put in the time or effort into their life. They, they let life happen to them instead of letting life happen through them. I have, don't have a clue how to dysregulate or whatever language. What, is that the word you were saying? Dysregulate? What I mean by dysregulate is let's say that we use the example of somebody getting upset in the morning. And they started the morning off by, first of all, blaring alarm system woke them up in the morning. And they set up their anticipatory stress the night before. They actually set their alarm and said, you know what? You're going to be in this deep slumber. You're going to be resting, recharging, and relaxing. But at 6.30, this alarm is going to go off and it's going to bolt you out of your reverie. It's going to boost you out of it. It's going to get you started. So you do that. And at first, that's great. You're up. You're going. You're, you're eager to go. But then you get a text message and it's something that's not good news. So that adds to that experience. And then before you know it, somebody at the house spills the milk or does something. So you blow up at them. And pretty soon before you know it, you're not thinking right anymore. We've all been to uh, situations where under stress, we try to remember somebody's name and that name's not there. You know, but then when they walk away, boom, the name pops into our brain. Well, that's because our brain works best in a relaxed state, not in a stress state. So I get a text. It upsets me. I recognize it upsets me. I don't have a clue how to move away from that and recalibrate in some way. Do you have ways to do that? You know, it's it's kind of like preparing for a hurricane. It's better to have your generator with gas in it before it cut, gets there. The same thing's true with your emotional state. So we teach people how to do breathing techniques. If you look at every negative emotional state, they have all have one thing in common, lack of breathing. That's why a lot of people sigh. You've probably heard that before. You to get to a certain point, you just sigh. You know, you're doing your body. Our body knows how to do that. So what we teach people to do is when you get into that stressful event, 
you can either, because you practiced it when you weren't under the stressful event, you breathe into the metal count of four, you breathe out to the metal count of eight, do that a couple of times and you will, you will re-engage the nervous system and get it back in flow. You want to set up positive behavior traits. So one might be when this happens, the first thing you do is say, you know, I'm going to deal with this, but I'm going to go get my glass of water. The other thing you can do that's kind of bizarre, but it's something that really does work if you can do this. You can't do this while you're driving. So if somebody's listening while they're driving, but but if you're sitting down, you can do that breathing technique. But if you breathe, if you think about that event that causes you stress, you roll your eyes three times to the right, big circles. You stop and you you roll your eyes to the left three times, then go back and check it out. Most of the time, 90 to 95% of the time, that emotion is going to be gone. When you roll your eyes, a lot of people think that that really is a mechanism that's in our brain because our eyes process visual images when we look up, auditory images when we look straight across the horizontal plane, and emotions when we look down. So when we're doing that, we're actually teaching the body to process that memory. We're taking it through a sweep, and that emotion will be gone. We teach this all the time to people, yeah. What about pills? What about melatonin? Is that something that you recommend? Natural melatonin is very good as a precursor to help you get the deep sleep you need. If you don't reach level four sleep, your brain never detoxes. It's just like anything else. If your body's not producing it, but every cell of your body produces melatonin. And remember, every cell of your body has chromophores. So if you have a lot of light going on late at night, you're not making melatonin. If you don't get to sleep before 10 at night or two, between 10 and two, depending upon who you are, you're not going to make as much melatonin. You could never take orally as much melatonin as you can create in 30 minutes, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 worth. You'd have to dump into your system. But you are a chemical factory. The greatest pharmacy on earth exists between your ears. We just have to get you into the right state. Those people that need more melatonin, what I recommend is they use it as a, a trainer for the body. But the body and the brain are very lazy. If, if we give it too much pills, too many pills, it's going to start saying, you know what? I don't need to make melatonin anymore. We got these pills coming in. How about Tylenol PM and some of those other ones, which I I may or may not have tried in the past? All the research combined on all the sleep pills that are out there, and I'm very fortunate, Dr. Michael Bruce, who's like the sleep doctor out there, he's on our board of directors. So I get my information mostly from him about sleeping. He's, He's very good. And he showed in all the studies combined, the amount of sleep you get by taking these pills is only five minutes. That's it. Five minutes more than you would. Because what happens is they drug you. So you're in a sleep-like state, but your brain isn't going through the sleep cycle because you just put a toxin into your body. So if our body responds well to it, then it works and we keep taking it, right? Because it works. It gave us our result. Sleeping pills never have done that. I'm thinking about our teens and they have such erratic bedtimes and wake-up times which seems to just frankly get worse and worse. As they head into college, I think it's even worse than then throw in COVID. If they're not going to change that, right, that that is the life of a college student, what can you do? Well, the main thing to do is, first of all, unload that stress, unwind that stress while you're going to sleep. And so what I recommend is the breathing that I explained earlier, do some kind of deep breathing technique, but then do what they call a body scan while you're laying in bed doesn't matter what time you go to bed. If you don't do that, what happens to a good number of people is they'll wake up just as tight and stressed out as they were when they went to sleep. And really, the what you're saying is one of the biggest problems. Our brain loves patterns. So if we don't have a sleeping pattern, you're like going to sleep every day at nine or going to sleep every day at 10 or 11, whatever, then the brain is going to, it's not going to know what to do. 
But if we can at least start a nighttime ritual, even if it just starts when you hit the pillow, you know, when you're laying in bed and you do something, that's going to make a big difference to the way the brain functions. If we can get rid of that, our body holds energy, you know, stress. So we all have different capacities. Like Steph, you might have a the capacity to hold on to a lot of stress where Sue, you might not be able to. But then we if we know our limits, we can know when we need to do something about that. If we keep pushing through those limits, then pretty soon our body has to break down because we're pushing through that limit. What I mean by that is some people might need to take, like after they get done studying, they need to do a relaxation session. Maybe put some music on, just daydream for five or 10 minutes. That's going to make a big difference. It's also going to take their information they just learned and store it into long-term memory. So just tell us you know, very briefly about your brain tap and what you're talking about because people don't yet know about it. What I want to do is how could we mimic nature? So we look at nature and we say, okay, the light from the sun has certain frequencies. And it literally tells our body what to do. We don't just have light that we absorb. We are light. We're light beings. It's not a metaphysical concept. Some people think about that. Science shows something called biophotons. We communicate with ourselves and others through light. They've actually proven this in the lab. So if you look up biophotons, you'll see that. So what, what does BrainTap do? We're going to use light, sound, and vibration. This is the top tier of what we do. And that light and sound trains the brain to go through a sleep cycle. You're not going through a real sleep cycle. It's That's why they call it like a health hack or a biohack, however people are talking about it. But we take them through that. What happens is while you're in those different brainwave states, your brain is instructing your gut to make those neurotransmitters, which you're supposed to have made while you were sleeping, but you didn't. So when you're done, that's why NIH had us do a presentation where we showed 38 0.5% reduction in stress and over 30% neurohormonal balance within 20, sec- 20 minutes of using brain tap because we're going to train the brain. It's like training wheels. You're going to train the brain to do that. And then we also showed a, a two-week washout period in our last sleep study that we did in Australia that their brain continued to improve after using it for six weeks without using it. So once you get regulated again, your body can do it without the use of the equipment. So we're using light, sound, and vibration to mimic nature, to mimic a sleep cycle. And then at the end of that sleep cycle, then your body will take over and do its own thing once it knows, once it remembers how to do it. And the problem is that people are so busy being busy that they don't, when you talk about how do we get dysregulated, it's because life, you know, the, it's not part of our life and our experience. You have a brain tap headset. And we are going to be having a raffle for that. You have generously donated one plus one year app access. So just if you could tell us, first of all, anybody who wants to participate in the raffle, please email editor at yourteammag.com and you'll be entered into the raffle. Tell us about the BrainTap headset and what that does. When somebody looks at our headset, they're going to notice there's lights in the eyes, lights in the ears. Our body absorbs that light and uses it as energy. The same with sound. So we have specific frequencies and an algorithm that we expose the brain to because the brain is always responding to light, sound, and vibration. So we're going to train the brain to do that. There's something called the Mozart effect. What that means is we can listen to certain music and it actually makes our brain work better. This is a science that's been around since the 70s. What we've done is we've taken the sound part, the light part, and the vibration part. We put it all into one headset. And it's designed for different things. Usually it's for a specific symptom like stress, sleep, stopping smoking, or for improvement in sports like hockey, football, track. We, we have an Olympic study going on right now. And it's all about getting the nervous system back online. So when you, 
when I, what I mean by that is, can we regulate? Can we get upset and angry and get relaxed? You know, they say the the just as an example, if you most of us have had this experience, if we had children, they'll be fighting and arguing. So we go break that up. They're okay. Then we start arguing with our spouse about that whatever they were arguing about. Pretty soon we we're we're arguing about something, and we look over and the kids are playing again because they forgot about that. But now the adults hold that on. So we need to have a way to get rid of the negative. And as simple as it gets is get rid of the negative that's inside of our thoughts, actions, and beliefs and focus on the positive and get us producing those positive results in our life. I always tell people, could you imagine watching your favorite movie or TV show if those actors and actresses never rehearsed? But people do this every day in their life. They wake up every morning. They never rehearse what they're going to do, how they're going to say it. They don't have intention. They don't have outcomes. So we want to give them intentions, outcomes, and behavior changes that they would prefer rather than what they've already got. And if you're already doing well, then you can improve upon that, obviously, because the brain likes to maximize its results in performance. Patrick, we're going to ask you um, what we ask all of our guests, the final question. What is the biggest myth about parenting teens? Well, I think the biggest myth to me is that you can change them from the outside in. You know, an egg, if you if you crack it from the outside in, you have death. But if it cracks from the inside out, you get life. So if we can inspire and motivate them from within, you're going to teach somebody to be a lifelong learner and educator. But if you try to do it through with the stick, let's say, and by coercion, you're going to get a rebellious teen. You need to somehow get them to buy into a mission that's bigger than them make them a part of something bigger than they think they are, and then they'll cooperate and do what they need to do. And somehow you got to get buy-in. You can't, you can't force kids to do anything, especially after seven years old. And when you talk about teens, it's even worse. I love that egg analogy. Dr. Patrick Porter, thank you so much for being here with us. And thank you for giving us the um, headset and the one-year subscription. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Your Teen with Sue and Steph. If you have any topics that you want us to talk about, let us know on our Facebook page or email editor at yourteenmag.com. Also, if you want to receive our newsletter, head on over to yourteenmag.com. Your Teen with Sue and Steph is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to executive producer Michael D'Aloya, plus producer Hannah Leach and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. If you like today's podcast, please leave us an iTunes review or send the episode to a friend. You can find more from us at yourteenmag.com, at evergreenpodcast.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts.